Oh, and it's usually, cute. you know, when it's like someone's parent and you're like, oh, yeah. may I use the bathroom? And they're like, I don't know. Can, Can you? you? Yeah. And you're like, fuck off! I'm asking permission to wander yeah. around your house where I don't live. Yeah. <laughs> There's more work. Yeah. Because yeah. recently I've been doing, like, because I've been really tired. And like the only way I can deal with that is like when people are like, "Oh Nemo, can I borrow your sharpie?" And you're just going, "No," because <laughs> it's like, "Haha, you're being funny," and yeah. I'm also like, "Yeah, no, I would rather you didn't." But like, oh, yeah. But I'm gonna say it in a jokey way so that yeah. you think that I'm being funny <laughs> and a nice person. I know your energy. You didn't stress me out. <laughs> okay, great. This is Brent Backhead's Lamest Podcast. Hi, I'm Nemo, your moderator. I use they them pronouns. And I nearly just spilled a steaming cup of tea all down my lap. Alas. Uh, that's, <laughs> that, that would be unfortunate. Um, I'm Grace. I also use they them pronouns. I'm your primary researcher. And... I'm running out of yes, <laughs> running out of interesting facts. Yeah, today sure is something that's happening. Um, love my friends, and we're making some good content today. <laughs> I'm Stevie. She had pronouns. Secondary researcher, <laughs> and this week I've earned my keep. Guess what's <laughs> open today? What's the open, Stevie? Yeah. This segment that hasn't happened for a long time. <laughs> well, kids, it's that time of year again. Strap the fuck in. And we're coming at you with more sad women things. Oh, but Stevie, we haven't had enough sad women <laughs> in the last couple of episodes. Sure is a niche that we haven't fulfilled. <laughs> But there's so many ways to make women sad. <laughs> <laughs> it made me think of that. There's that song that Lizzo uh, has. I was listening to it yesterday, so mm. it made me really happy. The one which is like, if you feel like a woman, you're a real, real fuck. If you feel like a woman, you're a real woman. And it's like, oh, mm. Lizzo, good on you. Mm-hmm. Trans rights, mm-hmm. human right. rights. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> it's, wanting it's... some human rights. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> that, was, that was such a good, terrible segue. <laughs> We're talking about women and incarceration in the time period today. Wow, let's okay. go. <laughs> I did a whole one of my whole. I just go to the library occasionally, very occasionally. And just spend an entire day there and hope that that'll do me for six months. Like a nerd. <laughs> like a nerd. Yeah, like a nerd. Um, and it was... I, I'll go through many different topics and just messaging Nemo like, Nemo, I'm so excited. There's this really sad episode about women I can do. Uh, so I'm going to be drawing heavily from Women in Madness, The Incarceration of Women in the 19th Century France by Yannick Reaper, translated by Catherine de... Minage. Just say it with confidence and people mm. go like, uh-huh, yeah. Um, so there's like certain aspects of this topic I haven't super dived into. So we're mostly going to be focusing on the Sopetriere, 
which is a hospital in a very loose, like, mm, I don't know how much good you were doing kind of way. Uh-huh. Um, and the reason I kind of got very excited about this topic was I knew that we were getting to the point in the story where Fontaine was going through her very difficult time. Um, that one time. <laughs> that one time. Okay, really difficult time. Oh, Fontaine's terrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> um, and we've just read those chapters and it kind of went down a bit differently than I expected in some ways. Mm. That I didn't know that she had the other work, the like sewing the, the, the shirts. Sewing the, the shirts. Soldier's shirts. Um, mm. But that we, I knew that she hadn't asked the mayor for any extra help even though we and most of the town seem to know that he is so willing to help mm. people out. And then now I'm like, oh, it's because you really hated him. <laughs> um, but um, that when I was reading about uh, incarceration of women in the time period, that I was like, oh, well, maybe this is a reason, because it is really awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. That, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was described, in quotes, as... The capital of female suffering, poverty, and insanity in the 1840s. Um, and so basically, this was a, this sort of time period, uh, so when the when Les Mis is set and when Victor Hugo is writing, where female hysteria mm-hmm. is the hot topic, mm. thanks to Jean-Martin Chocot. I don't think that I will be pronouncing that very well, but I'm going to put this source that I don't think I'm going to be discussing much in... A bibliography somewhere that is the girls of Salpetriere and Hysteria, the modern birth of an enigma that gets more into him and like why they thought Hysteria was even a thing um, and gets into like a lot of case studies on females, scare quotes, madness at the time and like mental health issues. Basically, the summary of the main source is that women would basically be accused of madness for just about anything. Just by living in poverty, that could be enough to be sent to a hospital to be treated, treated in the loosest Mm. sense Mm. of the term. Very much studied, there's a lot of like, like artists and like photographers would just be drawing and taking pictures of women like in fits or like just kind of like watching them in this very voyeuristic mm. kind of way of just being like, oh, why are they like Expressing that? suffering. Mm. Yeah. So originally the Petrier was a hospital for vice. So in quotes, it had housed syphilitic prostitutes who were partially prisoners and partially patients. So female sex workers could just be very easily sent Mm. to a place like this. So Fontaine, when she was having to be a sex worker just for that, instead of going to a prison, could have been sent to one of these institutions. Mm. Um, Yeah, this is that I've not got a lot of quotes and details on the actual living conditions of these places. I wasn't sure if that was something we wanted to get into, mm. but if that is something that people do want me to go back and discuss more, then I'm happy to do that. Something that super made me think of, oh, we were talking in the previous episode a lot about the similarities between Jean Valjean's situation and Fontaine's. In quotes, male aggression against the police force is punished for being an assault on the established order. And so a matter for the justice system. 
but women's aggressiveness towards the police was not seen as a matter for punishment but for treatment mm. that women mm. expressing what was seen at the time as quotes but square quotes like male characteristics so like aggression mm. that was so like does not compute that she must be mad because mm. women don't act like that mm. women don't understand politics enough to like engage with yeah like the justice system sort of thing but I mean, even like off podcast mm. earlier, we were talking about how when I started testosterone, I suddenly yeah. got a lot more like my instinct was physical violence. Like there was somebody mm. who was annoying me and my first thought was mm. I need to punch this person in the face. Mm. And I don't know how much of that is learned behavior mm. or even an association with, oh, I've just started taking placebo. testosterone. Yeah. So yeah, the placebo effect of that. But it is an mm. interesting thing to study in it it's like yeah it's an interesting mm. to think about yeah like, we we basically came to the conclusion of that conversation of like wow hormones really can like mm. affect you worth noting though you didn't yeah true. <laughs> like, like but also like how yeah. much is that is because i've been socialized socialization mm. like i didn't i didn't go and be aggressive towards mm. him also because he was a very large white man yeah and i'm not mm. And I would definitely come out of that fight not winning. Yeah. And if there's anything I know about myself, it's that I like to win. So, like... Yeah, but the thing is, is, like, socialization is a real thing that happens. And, like, like the way that we behave is a lot to do with the way that we're socialized. But, like, once we become aware of that, we have the ability and also, like, to a certain extent from, you know, similar things that we were talking about earlier like the responsibility to work through that like when when men become aware of the way that they are socialized to deal with problems with aggression like even if mm. that ties into like hormones and that sort of thing like that is a responsibility that you that you have when you're aware of it mm. like mm. you had an urge to punch someone but you didn't <laughs> yeah like yeah. it's very di it's like you know i was talking earlier about being enraged on the train like i was holding my keys really hard in my pocket mm. and i was gonna i was like so close to losing my shit but like i didn't mm. and that like it's socialization but like men also have the ability to not do it but like yeah. because of socialization are uh, like given permission to mm. absolutely lose their shit and break things and hit people boys and things boys. boys will be boys yeah. like and there are also things that like that definitely women do like mm. where it's like this is toxic as fuck like but yeah. you are given permission by the way that you're socialized to like behave in this way and it's mm. sort of like yes socialization is is real and affects the way that we behave but like in it's it's another thing that we can that we like have a duty to work on and unlearn mm. in ourselves along with many of the other things that we're introduced to by society including you know like internalized misogyny or like racism which is it's structural in society like all there are so many things that we all need to work on that society teaches us mm. including socialization i think mm. well the 1840s were not ready to <laughs> Wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> We're not ready to think about socialization. <laughs> I know, I know. You say that of like, haha, you know, the eighteen forties. I weren't ready for that. But again, in Beyond the Pale, like, I, I did just read it, so that's why it's coming mm, to mind so often. Mm. But like, ah, I really wish I remembered what her name was. There was a feminist writer in it 
who was talking about things that if she was writing in 2019, I'd be like, yeah, you say it. Like, yeah. That, like, yeah. these ideas are ideas that have been around for so long, yeah. but that they haven't been vocalized or, like, haven't been allowed to be public. Yeah. And she was writing them in her, like, parish zine basically mm. where she was like self-producing these pamphlets in her mom's house yeah and she was writing things that honestly like if you said in 2019 the times would be like oh those fucking like feminists yeah blah, blah, blah. and it was like you know she was writing in the 1800s yeah so well then the authorities yeah in yeah. the 1800s yeah. Yeah. were not prepared to have that discussion like mm. this was oh god where is the guy I was not surprised that he came up. <laughs> Lombroso. Uh, you know, yeah. the boy. Um, the Ita- yeah, for the rest of us. The Italian psychiatrist, the founder of criminal anthropology. So the bullshit mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. by measuring your face, I can tell that you were born a criminal. Yeah. That kind of thing. So, yeah. like, the people, well, the men who were in, in charge were not prepared to have the conversations I Mm. guess Mm. is more so than that no one was having them Mm. but the authorities knew what they wanted to see Mm. and the people so the doctors studying these women and what they thought was madness it's that thing if you go into a study knowing what you're looking for you're going to find that result Mm. um Madness was not a psychiatric concept, but instead treated by the authorities as dangerousness. So it was, how do we control people? We're not seeing this as a, so much as a mental health thing, and more of how can we control people? Mm-hmm. And because they are outside of society's norms, or like what we think they should be doing. Uh, quote, sorry. Madness was seen as a biological component in the makeup of the working class um and though so there was this like steady increase of like a huge increase actually in like the middle 1800s uh of women being uh, committed to these sort of institutions which was the fear of the owning and ruling classes making so that was like what was pushing the police to commit so many people is that Damn. there's and this sort of came up in a past special I did about bourgeois for class things, mm. just the, their fear is yeah. sets a precedent for what, like the acceptable range of behavior yeah. is. Yeah, like one hundred percent. So, what very much made me think of Fontaine is a little case study we have of a Miss L in 1838 and Fontaine was arrested in 1823 (laughs) Um, basically Miss L was an illegitimate child uh, whose mother introduced her to sex work at a very young age she was recognised as a legitimate heir by her grandfather in his will so she went to so this was in her say 20s or 30s maybe even 19 I don't have her age at the time but when she was a young woman went to the authorities to try and claim in her inheritance. However, as she was viewed as a loose woman, her word and claim was ignored by the clerk, who tried to kiss her instead of listening to her request. <laughs> so when she fought him off and thrashed him for this, he had her committed to the Saint-Pétrier. So basically, 
women speaking aggressively and shouting insults out loud could count as a psychiatric symptom. So her defending herself, Mm. that was seen as, instead of he assaulted her, it was, oh, you've attacked someone in authority Mm. by not letting him kiss you. You must be mad. So yeah, Fontaine reacting to a man physically accosting her. Mm. She's the one who's dragged away and was going to be either sent to prison or it could have been somewhere like this Mm. by uh, Javert. Just the fucking difficult fucking situation that she... And, like, this was not an unusual case. Like, this could just happen. It was so easy to be sent to somewhere like that, especially, especially as a woman at the time. So just her losing her job could have been enough for her to be committed. Her having to become a sex worker could have been enough. Even just her ignoring that man's advances could have been enough. Her defending herself and then, like, reacting violently could have been enough. Her spitting at Jean Valjean would have been yeah. enough. Like, that is that is why Javert was so like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, that w- she would have been sent to somewhere like this. And, like, it goes kind of without saying that, the, yeah, the, they were not great living conditions in these... Uh, hospitals and what i found very interesting was javert then writing out he was writing the letters to to sentence her Mm. that so many women were committed to places like this for just the smallest of whatever excuse they wanted to send Mm. them to there was basically a form almost like pre-written out that was uh, that a prefect would decree that a person was to be sent to a place like Saul-Petriere via form stating, X is in a state of insanity which may jeopardise public order and safety and to be treated for the illness with which she slash he is afflicted, which has shown itself in wild behaviour. That in Javert's angry speech about, like... He talked about it being in his... Yeah, um... that Jean Valjean's like, oh, well, she spat at me, so that's... Mm. That's for me to deal with, and Jean Javert being like, "This is a matter for justice." <laughs> that that made me think of like that form mm-hmm. so much that like it was just so normal to send someone to somewhere like this that it's like here's your pre-written mm-hmm. form. You don't even really need an excuse beyond wild behavior, which mm-hmm. covers anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting as well that like in a form from that time it's she slash he like in what world would it ever be like what is commonly associated as like the female pronouns Mm. before Mm. the male pronouns as it were like it is never listed that way so like for a form like that to be the expectation is you're filling this form in for a woman Mm. like is is very telling i think as well so with these like hospitals was that the equivalent of the prison then do you know or like were there separate prisons because javert specifically said prisons Mm. Mm. but then again we still have translations yeah yeah so it could be the easiest way to it's Mm. difficult to say without being able to read the yeah the food saying like the language has been incarcerated which is Mm. prison language rather than like what do you say when you go into a hospital? Committed. Um, committed. Mm. Um, well, in quotes, likened to prison because of like the bad conditions. Mm. You're often sent there by the police, hardly ever freed, and after serving their sentence would become ex-convicts. 
basically. Oh, interesting. And that the social stigma was so similar that the end result between a man going to prison and a woman being sent to somewhere like the Salpetria, the end result is so similar. Many of the women wouldn't, even if they were ever released, would not leave. They would end up taking jobs there. It was very difficult mm. to make a life having been in a place like this. Because, mm. yeah, um, Fontaine, when was saying... Oh no! It was saying how Fontaine would only make seven sous a day, yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Which sounds more like a prison than being yeah. treated. Mm. Yeah, I treated can again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I-, I can definitely look up uh, female prisons mm. at the time. When I came across this source, it feels was like why would what would various factors that Fontaine wouldn't seek help? Mm. Yeah, that this is such a large thing hanging over yeah. women's heads and like also at the time to a lesser degree but still a degree this would happen to men but that it was such yeah. a thing to send women to uh for the the, the smallest sniffles yeah sort of. yeah i suppose that because she doesn't she doesn't seek help like she especially in this town which yeah like you like you said she does hate um monsieur monsieur madeleine but we sort of see in the chapters before that he abolished poverty. Yeah. Like it's like yes, he fixed the economy and made nothing bad anymore. Mm. And like she doesn't access that. And the the it is interesting to think that there is something preventative there, where like it's the fear of the fear of this, the fear of like condemn, condemnation by society that has a more literal c- condemnation. In it like rather than just the you know i cannot meet the eyes of the people on the street yeah like i might be committed into one of these places mm. and also like just because jean Valjean a fixed poverty doesn't mean that he's like fixed the human condition yeah so with yeah, the shame yeah, yeah. and the like looking yeah. down yeah and also b like again i think i mentioned i i said um in that episode of like just because a rich white man comes in and is like, I fixed poverty. I fixed poverty. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. I would absolutely not trust that person. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and like, yeah. no matter how kind that person yeah. would sound, like, you're, not everyone's going to trust, if, no. especially if they've been in a yeah. situation like Fontaine's. Like, yeah. you're not going to just trust a random man to be a good yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, the, the I fix poverty is very much like a quote, like, directly quoting the book. Like, I do not believe it (laughs) this is something that can like that could just be done yeah i mean he did like he did go about it yeah like you Mm. know change things in ways that people wanted it to be changed as well it's not like he went and here's loads of money oh i managed to crash the economy yeah yeah but it's the um it happens in a microcosm yeah yeah yeah, exactly but like so he helped his town yeah and he helped the people he helped a certain amount of people in it yeah he still like it was something actually i was going to point out last episode like just because he he is you know jean Valjean is a very good mm. person and he does help Fontaine and this offer to help her yeah. is great but he didn't go down to the docks and ask them how ask the sex workers how he could assist them yeah he yeah. happened to be walking around and like happened upon this yeah. and happened to be able to help her by her being willing to tell her story 
after being prompted and after yeah. going through the yeah. terrible situation. Yeah. Like he's managed to f- fix poverty mm. in the town, but it's still not like all inclusive. Yeah, mm. yeah. And even more, there's she is not managing to live because she is working for someone who um, exploits prison labor yeah, yeah, yeah at, like yeah. who <laughs> won't pay them enough to be able to live on because they get to exploit prison laborers yeah and that is happening in the town yeah, yeah. like and that is something that he has experienced yeah i'm i'm really curious about that and like yeah I me to too find out more about, yeah like, you know the fact that he is specifically says like at the beginning when he's talking to the bishop and mm. it's like you know i've only made this much money in all the 20 years that I've yeah. Yeah. and this fork on the table costs more how hugo just drops that in without like talking about the fact that yeah. this is happening in yeah. this town yeah on his turf assumedly though because if fontaine is walking working for these people mm. it's not something that the mayor regulates because the mayor, yeah. Jean yeah. regulates a lot of the commerce. Yeah. But Fontaine doesn't work mm. for him. So no. telling those two things together probably yeah. means that this is something that's going down on the sly. That the, like, I don't know. Because she talks about it in the office. She talks about yeah, it in the police station. Him. Yeah. She, yeah. She says mm. um, she talks about the fact that she cannot make enough to live because she's working for um i can't remember the phrases but she's working for this person who's as prison labor mm. like she says that explicitly to javert while um jvj is 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 there in the room so but then maybe that's more of a like hey jvj you've got to act now because wow this is a blow that's personal yeah. to you yeah and i think also ties in further for like um parallels like it it, mm. it brings that a lot more home mm. that whole final chapter just like having read through the Women in Madness, the incarceration of women source, I kind of like had sitting at the back of my mind the whole time mm. that just like had saying all that to him, mm. they were just like, could have been sent away just for that. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like one of those things which is very much um, people like men aren't necessarily actually thinking that women are mad, it is a thing to like mm. silence and remove the power of women, like in a very legitimized and easy way like it's the sort of thing you know some this bloke comes in and tries to kiss this sex mm. worker who is trying to claim um her mother's will um, her inheritance grandfather's. her grandfather's, grandfather's inheritance, inheritance. Mm. and you know he tries to kiss her she resists and and is is taken away and it's the sort of thing it's like ah, oh, my mistakes have no have no teeth to them this is like I can I can make this go away. It's very easy yeah. for me to like not have to face the consequences of my actions because I can turn this very easily on the people who I'm victimizing. And also, it's I was I was wondering whether that source would say what happened to the money because I don't think it did. But I'm you know like she didn't get it. Yeah, exactly. It's just gonna she be didn't get it, did she? Kept by the clerks. Fascinating, you know, <laughs> like wild. yeah, like the large concern at this time and probably for most of the world is just yeah his appearances society morality mm. in quotes it was a concern for Fontaine just like that she was able to be like well I still actually I still have to go out and people are going to look at me a certain way mm. but I have to go on but mm. like fallen women have come up so much in the text like it's a very mm. um, self-conscious time period they yeah. all are but like this is very much that and mm. 
she's described as a fallen woman in the yeah. first, for the first time as well. Like that's not something she's been described as before, but she's explicitly yeah. um, called the fallen woman in the street. You know, mm. like just finding new ways to uh, try and control people that are on the fringes of society. Mm. I can't remember. Was it the public fucking Bureau of Public Safety that I brought uh, up in the? Um, there was a Bureau Central <laughs> set up in yeah. 1796. That feels like a similar time to it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's probably one of those that yeah dealt with intelligence, public safety, public morality, public opinions, prisons, health and hygiene. Mm, which wow, are, these are a health lot and of... hygiene is like one sector mm, that yeah. those are seen as like the same sort of thing homes for elderly yeah that the all those things are dealt with by one bureau (laughs) and it's to them that women were sent but yeah so to to them that women were sent to if they were also seen as mentally ill or vagrants they're often women who had sought sought refuge in churches were sent by the churches to places like this so like (laughs) that she didn't only not the Fontaine didn't only not seek help from Jean Valjean, but mm. she didn't because we know there was a church because yeah. he liked to lack in it, yeah. and of course there was a church. There would have been a church yeah. everywhere mm-hmm. that she even didn't feel comfortable seeking help from the church. We don't know for a fact that the fear of being committed was a factor. Mm. It doesn't explicitly say that, but uh, the context of mm. the time. Very much. The readers would have had that association. Yeah, it could have been a a further stressor in her life. That Mm. who can you trust not to turn you away? It's actually interesting. Like thinking about that, do we get? I don't feel like we've had very much reference to Fontaine looking to God at all, or like praying, or like there was that Mm. one bit of like who is the that was God Mm. that we ended an episode on last a couple of times ago, but like. Yeah, for uh, for the most like holier than thou character in mm. the book. I don't know. It's interesting that she doesn't look to God at all, mm. really, in this. No. And I don't no. think she does in the future either. Like she compares Jean Valjean to an angel, and also later on talks about his like godliness. And can't remember. I think it's her, or I think it's actually Fauchelevent who says you've come from god but like mm. you know that kind of language is yeah. interesting yeah mm. i mean she's already like we've already had the comparison from her eyes of him to an angel like that that is mm. like that's already been text even mm. before she even says it to him mm. like then like even before she became a scare quotes fallen woman like when she got to this town her instinct wasn't to go to the church and just like you know mm. go and pray. It doesn't say like oh on Sunday you know she went mm. to church. When it does explicitly say that a lot about Valjean. Yeah, but could that be a would have been parallel to Jean Valjean, who we don't think we got a lot about his relationship with religion before he was sent to prison, and it was after meeting Bishop Muriel mm. that he sort of found God. Would there have been? The same for Fontaine, if she hadn't become ill, would she Mm. have then, through Jean Valjean, found God? But then his one was very much going from a, like, antipathy to, like, I hate God to... God has cursed me. Yeah, Yeah. like, Whereas hers is going, it's kind of, like, flatlined the entire time. No one's out there to help me. Mm. Mm. Because, like, one of the only things that I really think about organised religion 
I guess not organized religion, but religion is that there is that community aspect of yeah. it. Mm. And especially yeah. in a time like this, you know, mm. I'm assuming that there were things like church groups and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, or like it's a Christian community, so, you know, you can... Mm. You know, the Women's Institute. <laughs> yeah. W.I. help your, like, fellow women or something like that. Mm. And not that I expect them to be, like, you know... Actually good. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But, like, some sort of community. But that isn't mentioned at all. No. I don't know whether that's a Hugo thing or whether it's a an actual thing that we're that I'm putting from modern spe- mm. perspective of being like, where's the church group? Mm. Or if it's a like specifically this town, but also like with, with Jean Valjean running the town, I'm assuming he fosters some sort some of, of that. Yeah. Yeah, he's at the church all the time. Yeah. So it's not like it's like one person going to church every day. Yeah. Well, it could be. It's just him. Like, <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember, like, he foss- he fostered quite a culture of it in the way that, like, he went to church all the time, which meant that all the other politicians had to step oh, up yeah. and go oh, to church yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. So you can imagine, like, because it was well considered for politicians to be doing that, mm. yeah. there are, like, it, there is a big culture of, of church going, like, in order for the politicians to be seen. Mm. Yeah. Like, that is... But then with... If a town has politicians in it, surely mm-hmm. it's big enough to have more than one church, right? Or is there only one church? No, mm-hmm. Montreux-sur-Mer is a town, right? So yeah, I would assume more than one church. Because I'm like, if it's big enough to have politicians mm. in, and that they feel like they have to now go to church, are they then... To be fair, it was his one, his one political rival mm. adversary mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. opposition thank you <laughs> it was his opposition for mayor mm, okay. like it was the other mayor and i suppose even big towns then are not as big as, as now. small mm. towns now mm. you know it's i'm basically just wondering how like whether because Vajan is now bringing the bourgeois into the churches yeah if that means that the not bourgeois uh, not being allowed oh, into interesting. them mm. because there oh, I think I think it is later in this fucking book that's mm. so long <laughs> that Marius tries to go into a church and he sees someone and something happens but like the idea of people not being equally welcome in the mm. church and stuff like that so like interesting. well she Fontaine would probably not have felt welcome if she knows that society sees her as a fallen woman. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They would assume, in the eyes of God, you're a fallen woman, you are not going to get into heaven by mm. those yeah. very strict rules yeah. that they had at the time. Mm. So, And also, if people from higher society, if they're going there to show off how pious they are, mm. it's somewhere where you go to be seen and she does Doesn't not want, want that. You... I don't think she would feel comfortable going there. Like, you think in these days that you'd be like, oh, so if she needed to get support and community, that's where, well, you know, we're going to love everyone, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But it was a lot more judgmental. Like, I don't even know if she would have been welcomed there because now the whole town knows her business. Mm. And I don't think she would be comfortable or even allowed in, maybe. I wonder if there's even sort of the layer of she was condemned like her job was making rosaries like she made Mm. prayer beads Mm. for a living Mm. and like that is what she lost i wonder if there's something in that as well in the like separation from religion like religion have having had a hand in her downfall Mm. and a separation from it in that way 
and the like underlying commercial value of it. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. This is yeah. selling church. Yeah, like, yeah. And your whole livelihood depends mm. on the fact that you understand the price of the things that are going on to make this rosary. Yeah, yeah. because but there is there is the part later on where um, Jean Valjean Jean Valjean says to her like, "Your intentions through this have been pure, mm. even though you are." again scare quotes a fallen woman mm. god has seen you god has seen you as virtuous and chaste so i don't know i don't know whether there would have been the same um fontine finding god arc god watch god watch <laughs> someone write us that au <laughs> fontine finds god goes <laughs> off and does cool stuff i guess this whole novel but fontine is your not Javert. Fuck. No. Yeah. Not yeah. that. Mm. I find Javert even more like nefarious, whether or not he means to be, with the context of the police in the time period. Because I think it came up a lot mm. when I did that sort of. I never dive very deep, deep <laughs> dive, but on um, female sex workers of the time period and the mm. way the police were almost the ones kind of like rounding women up to have them like have it sort of done through like official channels so mm. they could control how much they were making how much, yeah sort of um that it was all very like like they were the police were aware this was a thing mm. and so how could they control that for their own and for like society's uh gains with that in mind for Javert and just the letter writing um mm. that he would immediately be like, no, you're going away. It, it is difficult to feel any positivity towards Javert from these scenes, def- like, definitely, yeah. I would say. Like, it's, we're, we're in the setup for his character, the baseline for his character. Like, this is what we can expect from this character, this yeah. character that represents the evil injustice yeah. being set up as the foil for the the good in the criminal you know like we're, we're getting the very the setup of those things mm. and then it gets a little bit more complicated later on mm-hmm. i guess i very much enjoy his scenes i guess it's mm. it's with any uh book it's the whether or not you choose to contextualize mm. or not which there's no wrong way to go about it but i guess my job here is to be like here's some sad context mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if the book wasn't sad enough yeah yeah christ um yeah i guess this was more musings on fontaine with a sprinkling of incarcerating women at the time mm. it does add an interesting context to it though just makes me even more worried about every female character like but if you say anything <laughs> yeah mm. what's the matter with you cosette have you been too much on your own? It just sort of adds like all sorts of like, you know, it makes you think of every sad, every sad potential thing there. It's just, mm. oh. But mm. if he really wanted me to look into the actual, uh, how women who were incarcerated were treated beyond me being like, it was bad. Take my word for it. It was bad. I didn't take yeah. loads of notes. It was bad. But if that's something that people are interested in, leave a comment. Mm. I mean, you said um, about the stuff that you were reading happening 10 years after Fontaine was arrested, right? 1823, I think you said? Uh, so Fontaine was arrested 1823. The specific case study of Miss L was 1838. But 
institutions like this were sort of set up 1796 and it was a bad show right up until after like so I've not super gotten into uh, Jean-Martin Chacot he was sort of later in the 1800 period but like these were not good places for mm. like at least a hundred years. There, like this sort of treatment of women was going on for at least that one hundred years in places like this. I mean, I was actually more thinking about the uh, Miss L. Oh yeah, um, that's about the time that Eponine is an adult in the book, uh-huh. and that like she exhibits wild behavior mm. and is controlled by father to Nadia like and that a lot of her behavior absolutely could have got her institutionalized and like it's interesting for Fontaine but it's also it will be interesting for Eponine because like she's the only other major character apart from Cosette that we've yet to well we kind of met Cosette but like you know an older Cosette yeah um that Eponine is the next sort of Fontaine character yeah. that we're going to have. Mm. And that how she exhibits her behaviour at the same time as this Miss L case would have been happening. Yeah, interesting. And how she deals with police yeah. brutality and like how she deals with masculine in scare quotes, mm. masculine like attributes and like how she is still victimized and killed at the end. Mm. So like yeah. Mm. It'll be interesting to think about in the future. Yeah. Well, that's what I got up to. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd taken more notes. But when you make that little connection of like, oh, this is like Fontaine, you're like, mm-hmm. all I care about is this book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I recommend it if you can hack it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah, and I guess like a warning for the hysteria, the modern birth of an enigma. It's like an electronic source that I found that I will put somewhere in a bibliography that there are photographs and images uh pretty sure none of them are like super there's like pencil drawings of like how these men were like studying their forms as they were acting out or having an actual like fit or whatever it was um yeah just all the fucking photographers and stuff going in there to be like "Mm mm-hmm oh god like that's like like, that's a very interesting source i didn't think it was Mm. quite it was like still victor hugo's time sort of after when this was written but um an interesting read just how fucking gross men were at the time because you i was trying as i was looking at the solpetria on wikipedia just to you know get some vague facts on there and it's like and this guy and he figured out this about psychology and here's this good work that so-and-so did and here's this work that so-and-so did and then you find a source that's sort of like when we want to have case studies of like the women at the time and how they were treated, not just the like, and they figured out this. Yeah. And you're like, it's such a different, what's the word, like, because Wikipedia one, it's not like glorifying them, but you know, when it's just the like, here's the bare bones, yeah. they did this good work. And then when you're like, this, is this how was the cost of that good work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the like, oh, one of the women was like described as like the face of some illness or something because she looked so great while she was. Having this going on, she the camera loves her. It's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Things like this, where it's like a very heavy, uh, difficult subject. Finding sources that want to care about individual cases. Like I only read out the Miss L one, but like that particular source, like had so many that 
taking the time to care about the individuals. Mm. So not just a sort of sweeping overview, which is, I guess, what I sort of do with these things. <laughs> but like a sweeping overview of a bad things happen, but taking the time to be like, and we can name those people. And mm. it's important to, to know those things. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's like, it's a, it's a heavy one. It could have been heavier. Yeah, I, I don't know that I want or need yeah. descriptions of the Yeah, the that's way why that I didn't uh, do that. It was yeah, more of a, uh, yeah. here's something to think about for these characters. Yeah. But if there's any topics that anyone ever wants me to do more do studying do on, maybe if we ever did a Patreon, you could vote for those. <laughs> All right, okay, fine. <laughs> and I'll send you pictures of my notes. That could be a thing for you. Give us £5 a month. We have a Patreon. <laughs> if you want to vote on the next special topic, why don't you patron us? Why don't you patronize us? Patronize me! <laughs> this was Brendan Barricade, the Lamest Podcast, produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julian Yap. It was Captain's Collection Podcast. Um, if you have any comments, questions, or quibbles, you can at Stevie. No. <laughs> <laughs> you should at Stevie. Always. You can send us an email, lesmispodcast at gmail.com, or on Twitter at lamospodcast, or on Tumblr at Fred and Barricades. As Stevie has said, we have a Kofi. No. That's not what she said. As Stevie said, we have a Patreon. We also have a Ko-fi. If you'd rather just do a single donation, you can give us a couple of quid on Ko-fi. Or if you'd like the... I think Patreon also does single donations, but, you know, if you want to be a long-term thing and vote for things, then go patronise us, because that would be great and nice. Our audio director is Jade, who you can find on her website, jdwasabi.com, or on Twitter, at jdwasabi. She did our beautiful theme, and it's still really great, and still gets stuck in my head a lot. <laughs> We'd love it if you'd leave us a review. Oh yeah, please do, like, and also, like, fight America versus the UK, like, because and also other countries. I think Germany is the third most popular place that this is listened to. Ah, like I said before, the iTunes doesn't register all reviews as one. It nice. reviews like American ones and UK ones on the individual so ones, which is bullshit. so regressive. Yeah. It's like, oh, I listened to this in New Zealand and only one other person listens to it. But yeah, uh, please do that. It's nice to read things and it makes me feel warm. <laughs> <laughs> and and you get to know that Nemo drops them into the group chat and we all cry about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.